It's probably the most commonly asked question we ever get in any of our leadership development workshops or after keynote programs. Hey, it's David, and you're listening to Leadership Without Losing Your Soul, your source for practical leadership inspiration, tools, and strategies you can use to achieve transformational results without sacrificing your humanity or your mind in the process. So what is this most commonly asked question? It's always some variation of how do I hold people accountable? I don't want to be a jerk, but I also don't want to let myself get run over. And this question of how to have the tough conversations, how to have the accountability conversations, how to talk to somebody whose performance is not as good as they think it is, is one of the most critical skills for any leader to develop. In fact, when I was in an executive role and I wanted to promote people into leadership positions, the foundation things I looked for were you know, their, their competence at their job, did they know what they were doing, uh, and their character, were they trustworthy. But in terms of skills after that, in terms of management and leadership skills, the number one thing that I looked for in people that I wanted to put into leadership roles was this ability to have tough conversations, and not just to have them, but to have them well. So remember back to the foundation of the winning well model. It's about achieving results and building relationships. And it is entirely possible to do both of those things when you have a tough conversation, when you do it well. And so today I want to give you a model that we use. It's called the Inspire model. But before I do that, I want to talk briefly about another technique that you'll hear about frequently, but that we're not as big a fans of. It's called the sandwich method. You might be familiar with the sandwich method if you've been through management training of some kind before. The idea of the sandwich method is that you've got some feedback somebody really needs to hear. And so rather than just share that directly, you sandwich it between two nice things. You tell them something nice, you tell them what they really need to hear, you tell them something else nice. David, you are a remarkable leader. But your leadership on this project is completely derailing the team. But you're kind of hot. And of course, the problem with that is one of two things happen. Either they completely miss the feedback that you were trying to share with them that would have helped them to grow, or they start to associate anything positive you tell them with what's coming next. And so you can't even give them a compliment or anything because they're like, oh, goodness, what's coming next? What did I do this time? And that's a negative association, and that's not what you want. And of course, you need to give people both the encouragement they need and to have the challenging and the performance conversations. We all need all of that. But we don't necessarily need to have it all in the same sentence. So if you're in Toastmasters or some other organizations that use sandwich feedback frequently, you might be wondering where I'm coming from with that if it's really as bad as I'm making it out to be. Here's the thing. Sandwich feedback is fantastic when somebody comes to you and says, hey, I would like some feedback on how I'm doing. And then to start with something positive and encourage them and build that momentum. And, and here's a place where you could be even more effective. And, and here's something else that's really going well. Well, then that is a really powerful way to deliver feedback when they've asked for it. But when you're initiating the feedback as a leader, as a manager, and you come with a sandwich method, it feels disingenuous like you're trying to get away with something, and people resent it. So rather than that, let's go with 
a tool, a method that will allow you to give feedback in a way that builds the relationship and achieves results. It's called the INSPIRE method. And INSPIRE is an acronym. I stands for INITIATE. Initiate means we are going to intentionally carve out some space for the conversation. We're not just going to blindside somebody with feedback. You're going to start by saying, hey, do you have a minute I'd like to talk about? Or, hey, can you come and talk to me for a second? I've got some feedback or an observation I'd like to share with you that I I think will help you be more effective. If it's really serious type of thing, you might start with a little more gravity and a little more caring and concern. Hey, listen, I really care about you and your career, and I want to see you succeed And so I've got something to share with you that I think will help. It's very hard for somebody to initially be defensive and resentful when you're coming from a place of concern and caring for them. So that's I initiate, start the conversation. N is for notice. And this is where you make an observation about a specific behavior. I noticed that you arrived at the meeting today at 9.15. Let's say your meeting starts at 9 o'clock. So in that instance, I'm saying here is factually what happened, not even telling them they were late. Just, I noticed that you arrived at 9.15. Use the most factual language possible and keep your notice, keep your observation to something you can truly see or hear. This one is tricky sometimes. You might wonder like, okay, well, what if they have a bad attitude? Well, you can't see an attitude. And if you try to tell somebody they have a bad attitude, you are basically telling them that you can see inside their mind or their heart, their emotions, and of course you can't. That's kind of obnoxious and people will resent that. So what can you do instead? Imagine if you were to pull out your cell phone and record the activity. Don't actually do it, but just imagine recording the activity with your phone. Play back that video to yourself and describe what you're seeing. Oh, I'm seeing that this person folded their arms, they leaned back in their chair, they rolled their eyes when an idea was presented. When that person shared their idea, they said, that'll never work. The next idea, they said, we tried that, it's dumb. The next idea, they just shut down entirely and didn't say anything. Okay, those are observable behaviors. You don't necessarily even know why they're happening, but that is something you can talk about. So, hey, I noticed that, and then you would share those things. So I initiate and notice S, support. What is your specific supporting evidence if it's appropriate? So for some of them, this is very easy. It's in the same thing you noticed. Hey, I noticed you arrived at 9.15. Okay, easy. If it's, hey, I noticed that you seem to be challenging your colleagues' ideas frequently, then you might share your supporting evidence. For instance, when Sherry said this, this was your reaction. When Bob said that, you said that will never work, and so forth. I initiate and notice S support. Next is P. P is the probe step. And this is where it becomes a conversation. Remember, your goal is both results and relationship. This is where you make it a conversation by probing. You're going to ask a very easy curiosity-based question here. Something like, so hey, what's going on? Why do you think this is happening? Or how does this look from your perspective? And then give them time to think and answer. You may have to wait for a while here. It may be 30 seconds or a minute. And that may feel like a very long time, but that's okay. Give it a moment. Let them respond. And have a conversation about it. You know, they may even say like, well, I didn't see it that way. I didn't think that happened. 
that's okay. Wherever it goes, you can come back to the facts. What do you think is going on here? And then you move to I, invite. This is where you're going to invite them to come up with a solution. You're not going to shove a solution down their throat. You're going to ask them, hey, what do you think we can do to fix this? How do you think you can address this or keep this from happening in the future? What do you think you could do differently next time that might be more effective? When you're inviting them to come up with their own solution, uh, a couple things happen here. One is that people will often share something that is a more significant solution or sometimes even a harsher solution than you might have. And if it's totally unreasonable, you can even dial it back a little bit. Uh, and then that helps. The other thing that frequently happens when people come up with their own solutions is that they own those solutions much more strongly than they would have if you had given them that solution. Now, if someone is stuck and that you ask, you know, what, how do you think you could address this? And they say, you know, I'm not sure. You still want to make it their choice. But a way you can do that is to say, hey, so in similar situations, here are two options that people who have been in your position that they have used. Which of those sounds like it would be a good one for you? And then they choose, they're still making the choice, and they've owned it. That was I, invite. Now we move to R, which is review. In this step, you're going to check for understanding and make sure that you both are on the same page about what the solution is. Okay, so I hear you saying that you're going to set a second alarm clock and leave a little bit earlier. Sounds like a great plan. So what I hear you saying is that you are going to find something positive in an idea before you bring up some of the challenges that might happen with it. Do I have that right? Whatever their solution might be, when you review, you're checking to make sure you both understand the solution in the same way. And then E, the final step in the INSPIRE model, is ENFORCE. And this is a step that many managers, even though they might have had the whole conversation, they're really committed to the process and achieving results and building relationships, they will forget this step. And this is a cause, if you have ever had these conversations and you find yourself having to talk about the same thing over and over and over again, it's because you're missing this step. The E step, the enforce step, means before you leave that conversation, you make an appointment with the other person where you're going to have a conversation about the new behavior. So if it's, for instance, that they were showing up late to the meeting, it's a simple thing, an easy thing. Make an appointment for right after the very next meeting. Hey, let's just uh, get, circle back around five minutes after the next meeting next week, and let's see how it went. When people know that there is a time and place where they're going to be sitting down and talking with you about it or looking at you in a video chat or some form of we're having this personal conversation, they're much more likely to follow through. You've made sure that the finishing is there, that the accountability is baked into your conversation, and you increase the likelihood that things will change significantly. So that's the INSPIRE model. I, initiate. N, notice. S, support. P, probe. I, invite. R, review. E, enforce. Now, you can download this entire model. It might be easier to see in print. You can download the model. We've got worksheets and so forth. If you go to letsgrowleaders.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you'll find the uh, Winning Well Toolkit available for you there. And the Inspire model is there with all of the steps spelled out, as well as a blank page that you can use to plan for and hold the conversations yourself. Now, you might be wondering, what do I do if you know I have one conversation and it doesn't work? It's not sufficient. 
Well, we will address that in a future episode. For now, focus on having that initial conversation. It takes practice to work the Inspire model and get it into your muscle memory. And the first few times you do it, it may feel a little bit awkward, like, gosh, there's all these steps I got to remember, but there really aren't that many. And in practice, the conversation looks something like this. You're walking out of a meeting, you say, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? Hey, I noticed that you got here at 9.15 this morning. What's going on? Oh, um, yeah, I, you know what? I, I overslept. I, that's, that's what happened. I'm not going to lie. I mean, okay, hey, I appreciate your honesty. So um, what do you think you can do for uh, next time? What time does the meeting start? They're like, it's at 9 o'clock. I got it. Okay, cool. What, what can you do to be here? And they're like, ah, you know what? It was a one-time thing. I'll set my alarm earlier. Whatever it is, I'll, I'll, I'll make it. I'll be here. Okay, cool. Appreciate your work. Thanks. Like that conversation took 45 seconds. And so many of the low-level conversations that, that drive managers nuts are easy if we'll just have them at that level. But what happens is lots of leaders, we, we have magical thinking. And I'm sure you've had this happen at some point in your career. You know, somebody arrives late to your meeting and in your mind, you're thinking, oh goodness, like they were late. How, how could, and they, they know they were late. I mean, okay. They know they were late. They're going to be here next time. Then the next time rolls around and they're late again. And now inside you're thinking twice in a row. Are you kidding me? Oh my goodness. How could this happen? <sighs> okay. They've got to know how badly they've screwed up at this point, so I know they'll be here next time. And what happens next time? Well, if you've seen this movie before, you know exactly what happens next time. Now, what they're thinking is, you know what? I don't have to be here on time. It doesn't even matter. And the rest of the team is watching and thinking the same thing. And now your meeting doesn't start at 9, and it doesn't start at 9.15. Now it's starting at 9.30 because that's when people trickle in. And that kind of lack of attention to accountability will kill your team. It erodes trust and it erodes results. You don't want to let that happen. Use the Inspire model, keep short accounts, address things the first, second time they happen. And by then, we'll get you the next episode with what to do if it doesn't work the first or second time. We've come to the part of the show where it's time to answer a question. And I would love to answer your question. So if you've got a leadership or management related question, please send it in and we'll get it on, on the show for you. You can do that one of two ways. You can email me, david.die at letsgrowleaders.com or you can go to leadershipwithoutlosingyoursoul.com. You'll find an orange button. Hit that button. You can record your question. Let us know where you're from. I'd love to get your voice and your question on the show. Today's question comes from Brian in Spokane, Washington. And here's Brian's question. David, we have a massive project underway that's going to require a, a huge amount of cultural change, and it feels overwhelming. Um, my team and I are responsible for making this happen, but I'm not sure where to start. Do you have any advice on how to undertake a massive cultural change? Brian, thank you for the question. And this may have been a follow-up question on the culture episode from several episodes back. But anytime that you're trying to undertake a massive change of any kind, whether it's culture or a new process or, or anything at all, really, one of the best suggestions I can give without knowing the details of the specific situation is to break it down into one or two key behaviors. So, for instance, I was working with a group of people who do home service types of calls 
uh, lawn and tree care and very high-end things, but there's a huge safety component involved. And when they were trying to change their safety standards and their safety results, one of the things that they did was they broke it down into specific behaviors. And so in that conversation, what they came up with is uh, that they were going to start every meeting with a safety briefing. And it didn't matter if it was an administrative meeting. They wanted safety worked throughout every fiber of their culture. And so what they chose to do, what they decided to do, was every meeting started with a quick safety briefing. And if there were hazards involved in the work being done that day, if there were incidents that had happened the prior week, and what it did was it elevated safety to the top of everybody's mind. Every single person from the CEO to the frontline person, every single person had that safety conversation first thing. Then they do a hazard review, um, update from previous incidents, and then they would end with, and for the people who were actually going out to do the work, with stretching and some yoga-type activities, which were very, very different than the culture. You can imagine some of these big, burly uh, guys that were doing some of this work. But they started with that five or ten minutes of yoga before they'd go out and do the work, and that had a massive improvement in their safety results. So... For them, they were able to break down this massive cultural change to three key behaviors. That was what it was for them. Now, you may be thinking, gosh, I don't even know what those are. Well, that's okay. Your first action can be assemble your team and ask them, hey, we've got this big, huge elephant that needs to be eaten. What is the first bite? What is the one behavior that if everybody was doing it consistently would make the biggest difference? And then you can organize around that and you can do confidence bursts and there are all sorts of other activities that we can do. And we'll talk about those in in other episodes as well. But take that one key behavior, reinforce it, practice it, celebrate it, encourage it, hold people accountable when it's not happening with the Inspire model that we just talked about. Build on that one behavior. And as you get that going, then you have a foundation to build on and people will likely be able to see the results of doing that one thing. So any kind of massive change comes along, how can you break it down to one, two, no more than three key behaviors, encourage those, get those going, and get some, build some momentum around that? Brian, thanks again for the question. And remember, if you are trying to make change of any kind, people are not going to always follow along with it. That's okay. That's human nature. You'll have some early adopters who love change and they get after it. Great. Celebrate that. Use those uh, behaviors as examples and talk about what's working and what kind of results they're seeing. But be prepared as soon as you start any kind of change that there are going to be folks who don't come along as quickly. They're not bad people. They just have other priorities or it's hard for them to change or whatever that might be. When you have a relational accountability inspire conversation, you make it possible for them to move along and come along more quickly and you get that change handled more rapidly so you don't have it lagging and lasting for six eight months a year i know some organizations that still two three years later don't have everybody doing things the way they need to because they're not having those accountability conversations build results build your relationships with the inspire model until next time be the leader you'd want your boss to be This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.